Authors on the Air. Welcome to Authors on the Air. I'm Terry Shepard. Full disclosure, my guest today is my accountability buddy. Kate Anslinger and I are texting our daily word counts back and forth. That one habit has helped me knock out Jessica's second adventure and dive into my next writing project. Kate has just released her newest McKenna mystery, Family Photos, and is getting rave reviews on Amazon, even as its predecessor, Never Tell, continues to generate sales. We'll revisit the challenges of balancing an author's life with Kate's other writing endeavors and the joys and challenges of being a mom of two beautiful girls. So let's begin, as we always do, with a delectable taste of Kate Anslinger's latest, Family Photos. Sorry, I'm here. Frank's words cut off when John Walsh pushed through the door. Both his words and his presence were soft as if he hadn't want to take up too much space in the world. In two long strides, John reached the chair beside Frank and sat down, resting his hands flat on the table. I apologize for my tardiness. He sat erect, reaching for one of the pens from the centerpiece. They clinked, falling into new positions within the arrangement. No worries. We were just getting started. Lord knows it's just a lot of signatures. Nadine, the realtor, kept her head down, focused on placing stickers in the appropriate signature blocks and sliding documents across the table to Grace and Mark in rapid succession. Grace and Mark, this is John. As I was saying, he has a lot of history in that house, but but it's time for a change. John shifted in his seat, so he was facing Mark, who sat on the other side of him. As Mark leaned back in his chair... Grace McKenna was able to get her first official look at John. Mousy brown hair with thick flecks of gray was parted in the middle and feathered on each side, like he had just walked off the set of a movie that took place in the 70s. His face was sagging with age. Jowls pulled his cheeks downward into a permanent frown. A small scar cut across one side of his forehead, evidence of stitches. Sporadic white specks of hypopigmentation marked his chin and jawline. His gaze landed on Grace, offering her an acknowledgement and presenting her with a vision of a sullen little boy with side-parted blonde hair slicked neatly into place. He wore a dirtied white short-sleeved shirt affixed with a navy blue tie, knee-length shorts that exposed knees encrusted with mud, and blue and white saddle shoes over soiled white ankle socks looking every bit the proper schoolboy except for that tattered flannel blanket he clutched to his side. He moped while seated on a rocking tandem swing. His round face then contorted into wide-eyed horror with his mouth agape as he plummeted backward to the hard earth below. A rivulet of bright crimson seeped from a bullet-sized chest wound. His face turned ashen and his full lips turned bluish-purple slackening as his chest no longer rose and fell with breath. His little body fell limp as his vacant hazel eyes released a trickling tear along the contours of his broad nose, blurring a cluster of freckles along the way. Welcome, Kate. Thank you for having me, Terry. I loved reading that. That approaches poetry 
Where does that come from in your head? I have a very vivid imagination (laughs) when it comes to creepy horror things, which is probably why I liked Poltergeist at the age of three. (laughs) That was the first horror movie that you ever saw? That and um, I think Thriller, the Thriller video, but that might have, I might have been a little older for that one. But yeah, yeah, my mom said that I I watched it like it was a Disney movie. (laughs) What frightens you? Oh, God, so many things. Failure. That seems to be something that is common with every guest that I've talked to. It seems to be the thing that authors fear most. Well, I think it's because, you know, as an author, you're putting yourself out there in a way that not everybody does. Many people could probably be writers and authors, but to actually put your words on paper and literally share them with the world to say what they want about it is pretty scary. It shouldn't stop you from doing your art, you know? How do you react to negative criticism from your reviewers? I used to have a really hard time with it. It would bother me for days. And now I, um, I try not to look at negative reviews. Um, someone did tell me that if you're feeling down about a negative review, to go look at your favorite authors and see that they have negative reviews too. So, Yeah, I think that there is a point in your success where you go beyond the people who love you and into the real world. And there's some chaff that comes with the wheat there and you just got to kind of deal with it and see if there's a gift in there somewhere that you can use and throw out the rest. Right. Cause I have definitely, I've had um, some good feedback about, about grace, um, the main character in my books. And, you know, some people feel like she's not lighthearted enough. She's not fun enough. So I've actually really taken that and I'm trying to give her a little bit more like in family photos. I feel like she kind of came out of her shell a little bit more. How else has she evolved in this series? You know, she was very rigid about her career and everything before. And now she's, you know, getting involved in this relationship with Mark and that's getting bigger and more stuff is happening with that. So, and she's also, you know, opened up her relationship with her father, which she never thought she would do. So, and I think she's seeing that there's good in those things that she originally feared. So there you go. Fear's good, right? Without conflict, you don't have a story. Exactly. Yeah, it's very true. What's your flaw? She's, you know, I think she's hard on herself. I think that's probably her biggest flaw. So Grace is essentially me, which I'm, (laughs) she's very hard on herself. Um, But she is starting to open up a little bit more. You don't see Grace like really relaxing and just kind of her is always infiltrating her brain and she feels very responsible because of it. So in turn, she has this flaw that she's a little bit rigid. She sees, so she's got to act. She does have this flaw, which is the curse of being able to see. Right. But not to understand what she's seeing. And that's the joy of reading your books. You plot so well and throw so many twists and turns into the tale that, you know, Grace is always having to figure something out and it's two steps forward, one step back. Then at the end of your books, you like throw a curveball in the last (laughs) paragraph. Well, that's credit to my mom because she um, has always said, God, I just love it. You know, she watches Netflix series and stuff. I just love it when they like give me this twist that I'm not expecting. You need more twists in your book. And she says that over and over again. So finally I was like, okay, I'm going to go a little further with this one. (laughs) Yeah. Were your parents always supportive of your writing? Yeah, always. I mean, I didn't really start. I mean, I wrote as a kid, you know, you know, little stories, but I didn't really start writing, writing until I 
10 years ago. Kate Anslinger is our guest, kateanslinger.com, A-N-S-L-I-N-G-E-R.com is the website. The new one is the latest in her McKenna Mysteries family photos. How has your writing evolved over time? Going back to the gift, I'm like, oh, I would have rewarded this. You know, I think maybe we all do that as authors. That's why it's hard hard for me to read my own stuff over again, because I'd probably never get anything accomplished. But um, I feel, and I think you've helped me with this too, is that I'm becoming more of a succinct writer. So I'm getting that point across a little bit easier. And, you know, you once said to me too, is um, if, if it's not moving the story along, take it out. And this, like the one I'm working on now, which will be book five, that is in my head all the time. Like I'm done a paragraph. I'm like, is this moving anywhere? You know, at the, at the beginning, I'll ask myself, what will move this forward? I'll write it. And then I go back and I'm like, did this real, was this really necessary? Because it's true. You're reading a book and it's like, you just want to get to the point. Like, I know it's fun to, you know, really go off on some tangents, but it's got to move. My biggest fear is that I'll take something out inadvertently that's a required setup for something later in the story. Have you ever done that where you've gotten to the end? You go, oh gosh, I forgot. Yes, completely. And I have an awesome editor who catches these inconsistencies that are, they could be super minor ones. Thank God for her because she picks all these little inconsistencies. And so then I have to go back and be like, oh yeah, like, how did he get up and get across the room without actually walking across the room? Like he just appeared because when you're in the middle of writing, it's like, Oh, he just appeared. (laughs) How did you find your editor? The new editor that I have actually approached me and she wrote me this phenomenal letter on LinkedIn. And, um, I was like, wow, like people don't do that. You know, it's not like, it wasn't just like, Hey, I like your work. Are you looking for a proofreader or an editor? She wrote this elaborate letter about how much she liked the characters and series and how she wanted to, you know, enhance her career as a copy editor, an editor and a proofreader. And I met with her and it was like, you know, when you just kind of click with someone and it's like, wow. So we have just an amazing working relationship and something that has evolved into a great friendship. And when did you know, how could you tell that you had chemistry with her? My goal is to put out perfect books, right? And it's, it's, it's not easy when you're doing it all on your own. It's incredibly hard. I knew when she would pick apart little things, I was like, it wasn't so much that I liked that she was picking things apart, but I knew that I needed it. That's when I was like, I need this. No other editors I've had have picked this up before. Like, this is what I need to get better. And I think that's like you said, from when you start a series until now, it's like to see writing evolve. And how much of that is your growth as a human being and as an experienced writer on one hand you've got her skill but you are ready for it that's one of the things is criticism is can be so hard to take as an artist but it's something that you really shouldn't take personally if you want to get better you know when i first used to read negative reviews you know i would it, it would literally like sit with me for days and affect everything and then i was like why am i taking this personal it happens to every writer everyone has a different opinion So it's like, now I'm just like, criticism come to me. I want it to come to me because I want to get better, you know? How much of your time do you spend on marketing and promotion versus actually writing? Marketing and promoting is the thing that sucks up so much of my time when all I really want to do is write. But I love marketing. I I think it's, it's fun. It's something that I can lose hours to, but I want to write. Like, I just want to write. I want to 
put books out there and I would love for someone to just say, Hey, I got this. You just write. I'll do all the marketing. So I would say I spend, I started actually tracking how much I divvy up and I'd say maybe 10 hours a week. I could honestly put 40 hours a week into just marketing. I mean, from social media posts to blog posts and trying to, you know, get my books out there on different sites, you know, it's tons of stuff. How do you balance the rest of your life with this craft? It's hard. So you actually told me, what was that, that quote you had about uh, if you want to get better at something, add a certain percentage to your day of it? The revenue-making jobs, you know, because I'm a, I'm a writer all around. I'm a freelance writer, ghost writer, reporter, whatever. So that stuff, you know, has to come first. Um, and then, you know, the thousand has to fit in there somewhere. I prefer to get it done first thing in the morning, but it will depend on the deadline and what the kids are doing. Um, so... Yeah. And I've learned, also learned to try to get my kids involved with me as I'm doing it. Do your kids know about Grace? Do you talk with them about that character? Not really. I mean, they see the covers. I mean, they think it's cool that there's an actual book and, you know, they think the covers are kind of creepy, but <laughs> I don't think they have any idea what, what it's about. They know that it's mystery, but that's about it. And you were telling me before we were on the air that one of your daughters is actually writing something right now. She is. She's working on her own mystery about a gymnast who gets trapped in a club. And what grade is she in? She's in first grade. Yeah. It's very simple then, isn't it? That's the essence of plot and story. If a first grader can be into it. Yes, totally. What kind of stuff do you read to them? Um, Julia and the mystery box. <laughs> <laughs> I had there to, was I had a, to there put, was a beefsteak. <laughs> I just threw I had to put that in there. Um, I wish I had that copy of that book. So my, my three-year-olds, she's into just opening random books and reading things and making things up as we go, which I think is an excellent exercise, actually, because she can look at a picture and make things up. Oftentimes, they have nothing to do with the story. But uh, my older daughter reads Ginny B. Jones, Treehouse Mysteries. Yes. Uh-huh. Magic Treehouse. That's it. Yeah. She's into those and she's into um, doing Dr. Seuss books and things like that still. Um, but she actually, it's funny because I think she prefers to write her own books than read books. I heard Beverly Cleary quoted as saying that one of the things that she really appreciated when she was a kid was that her mom always had books lying around that were her reading level. So whenever yeah. there was something slow, that's where she vectored. Is that harder in these days of technology and screens to get kids to focus on reading? Yes, yeah, I think so. I mean, there's a lot of the books online. Like she has all these apps where she can read books online or, um, have them read to her. So her, you know, and she can do everything else online. I mean, she just learned remotely for a whole year. So her, the chance of her picking up a book is less, less likely to happen now, I think, unfortunately. What are you working on now? So Grace McKenna, without giving too much away, finds herself seeing visions that have to do with a mother-daughter relationship and she actually does a little traveling in this book. She, um, one of her possible victims has traveled throughout the South. So we go into Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi. She, so, so Grace kind of has to do some research down there. I don't know if she'll actually travel down there, but she'll have to do some digging. And that's research for you. Is that, is that an area that you know well from previous incarnations? I actually lived in Biloxi, Mississippi for two years and frequented New Orleans while I lived there. The other areas, I mean, we're just going to have to learn from scratch. A couple of places in Florida where her victim travels. So 
Yeah, it's kind of like an on-the-run type mystery this time around, which is a little different from the others. I can't wait. Family Photos is getting well-deserved, great reviews on Amazon. It's a book you should check out. KateAnslinger.com is the website, and Kate is our guest today. What's the most important thing you've learned about the craft in the last year? I would say be descriptive without overdoing it, getting to the point. And I think that's a lot of sentence structure. I feel like um, that, you know, sometimes I'll have a sentence and I'll put it out there and I have to ask myself, can this be reworded so it's more fluid? It comes across, you know, easier. And, you know, my other writing jobs have certainly helped me with this too, because I have no choice but to be succinct in those jobs. So I think like, like just analyzing um, each sentence and seeing, hey, let's jumble up those words a little bit more. What advice would you give to somebody who's thinking about becoming a writer? I would say do it every day. Do it whether it's a hundred words or a thousand words. Just do something every day because chances are those words are going to spiral off into something much bigger and it's going to get your um, creativity flowing. Kate's schedule is packed today. We're grateful for the time and invite you to visit her website, kateanslinger.com, where you can learn about her amazing protagonist, Grace McKenna, and check out her latest mystery, Family Photos, available in print and digital at Amazon. Kate, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Authors on the Air can be found on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud. We invite you to explore the many other podcasts that focus on the craft aggregated at the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Our theme music was written by Pavlo Butorin. I'm Terry Shepard, and I'll see you in the next chapter.